So I want to just share with you a, a little bit of um, a favorite quote of mine from Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was a philosopher and a theologian, a pastor. He founded the Fellowship of All People in San Francisco. He was the dean of the chapel at Boston University. And when he was the dean of the chapel at Boston University, uh, one of his students was Martin Luther King. And um, he was just this beautiful, beautiful um, thinker and writer. And I want to share with you a quote that lives deep in my heart in the hopes that maybe some part of it will live deep in your heart as well. You know, we're, Noreen talked about order and, um, and this idea of divine order and human experience. And this, for me, this quote um, exemplifies that, is just a little model of what that means. So here it is, and we're just going to spend the next few minutes just walking through this quote. There is in every one of us an inward sea. In that sea there is an island, and on that island there is a temple. And in that temple there is an altar, and on that altar burns a flame. Each one of us, whether we bow our knee at an altar external to ourselves or not, is committed to the journey that will lead him to the exploration of his inward sea, that will lead her to the exploration of her inward sea, to locate his inner island, to find the temple, and to meet at the altar in that temple the God of his life, the God of her life. Before that altar, impurity of life are burned away. Before that altar, all the deepest intent of your spirit stands naked and revealed. Before that altar, you hear the voice of God giving lift to your spirit, forgiveness for your sins, renewal for your commitment. As you leave that altar within your temple, on your island, in your inward sea, all the world becomes different, and you know that whatever awaits you, nothing that life can do will destroy you. Okay. Let's go through that paragraph. Why do I want this paragraph to be um, shared with you? The reason is because what we reflect on, we become. What we reflect on um, in life, when times get tough or when times are good, we remember. Let me tell you a story. When I was in ministerial preparation almost 20 years ago in Washington, D.C., outside of Washington, there was a church, River Road Church, and they would sing with the kids and, and with the adults. Every Sunday, a little song, Spirit of life, come unto me. Stir in my heart. Sing in my heart all the stirrings of compassion. Spirit of life, come unto me. And one Sunday when I was in seminary, there, there, two, two little girls were leaving that church and walking home in Bethesda. And a terrible accident happened and a, and a car came up on the sidewalk and hit one of those little girls And the older girl wasn't hurt, but her little sister was. And she began to sing that song because they sang it every week. Spirit of life, come unto me, come unto me. Sing in my heart all the stirrings of compassion. She sang it to her little sister so that she might know comfort and peace in her pain. And so the older sister might as well. What we reflect on, you see, and what we have deep in our soul, we remember in good times and bad. The little girl 
was fine. But what an image of that girl singing to her sister that, that prayer of a song. So what we reflect on, we become. When we train our mind upon something, we begin to organize our lives around that idea. We begin to order our lives in this way. So let us begin. The quote begins, there is in every one of us an inward sea, right? There is in every one of us an inward sea. Howard Thurman begins by reminding us that we're talking about each and every person. If you're like me, you might hope that this this passage begins, well, in the ones who think like me, and the ones who look like me, and the ones who belong to my club, or my religion, or my political party, let them be blessed now and evermore. End of story, right? But Howard Thurman doesn't go there, right? He says, in each and every one of us, in each and every one of us, this passage begins with reminding us to broaden our perspective. Why should any of us be confined within a single area of religious culture? When I read Amos and Jeremiah, I say, would to God I were a Jew. When I read the parable of the Good Samaritan, I say, would I were a Galilean. When I read the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I wish with all my heart I might be a Christian like the Apostle Paul. When I think of the Buddha and his eightfold path, I say, I too would be a Buddhist. And when I remember the trial of Socrates, I say in awe with exalted spirit, oh, that I might be so brave a human. And thus at the end, there's nothing I can say, but I want to live with the privilege of a mind on fire. Yes? I want to broaden my perspective so my mind can say, with every person I encounter, there is the Buddha. There is the goddess. There is God, there is the Jesus, there is the Christ. Everyone we meet might become the personification of the divine. That's just the first phrase of this passage, right? You see. There is in every one of us an inward sea. In that sea, there is an island, and on that island, there's a temple. And in that temple, there's an altar, and on that altar burns a flame. We're talking about deep down in your core and in everyone's core. There is a sense of wholeness at your core that must abound in all you do, that marks with reverence your every step, that has its sway when all else fails, that wearies out all evil things, that warms the depth of frozen fears. Just sometimes your fears freeze you in place, paralyze you. This core, this temple, this altar, this flame at the core of your being warms the depth of those fears. It makes friends of foe. It makes love of hate and lasts beyond the living and the dead. There is nothing that can take away that core. Beyond the goals of peace, the ends of war, we seek it throughout our years to be complete and of one peace within and without. All right, so let's do a little exercise. When I, when I, when I decided you were going to meditate, I said, what does your temple look like, right? I didn't decide you were going to meditate. You freely chose to meditate. You know what I mean, right? But when we meditated, I said, what does that temple look like? What does that altar look like? So what does that temple look like for you? Does anybody have a thought? Yes, Carly, yeah. A grove of trees. A grove of trees, yes. 
The temple at the heart of Carla's being is a grove of trees, right? Anybody else? Yes. So her temple is her receptive and receiving with your arms out. I love it. Yes, sir. Mine's a little weird, I suppose. Good. Standing beside my grill. Oh, yes. Yes. Amen. Write a song about that, boys and girls. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like earthy right there. That's earthy. That's like the grill. Yes. The grill and a beer. I mean, that's good. What else? Yes. I see myself in the mountains. Yes. See, see. She sees herself in the mountains, in a clearing in the mountains, maybe known only to her and whoever cleared it, yes, in the first place. Okay. What else? Anything else? You get the idea? It's your, it's your core. It's your temple. It's your altar. And whether you're pagan and earth-based or whether you're Christian and Jesus-based, whether you're Buddha and Buddhist-based, whatever it is, or you're a combination of all those things, that temple is perfect. Each one of us, whether we bow our knee at an altar external to ourselves or not, is committed to the journey that will lead him to the exploration of this inward sea, to locate her inward island, to find the temple, and to meet at the altar in that temple the God of her life, the sacredness of life. So here we are, we're entering the ground of sniffing out what is sacred sniffing out what is sacred. And as I read, you know, I do a lot of reading. As I read people who describe this journey of going inward and outward and finding what is sacred, I am struck by how often the discovery of that which is sacred is um, combined, is that what you'd say? Combined with loss. Combined with loss and grieving and mourning. Uh, Mark Nepo, N-E-P-O, the writer, talks about a time when he was 10 years old. And he went to his parents. And he said, tell me about God. And they said, we don't believe in God. And that was it. Now, it's okay not to believe in God. Don't get me wrong. But he says in that moment when they shut down that conversation that he experienced a kind of death. Right? Because instead of saying, we don't believe in God, but we believe in this, and it looks like maybe this, and maybe you can imagine it like that, and it's poetic, and you can use your imagination. Instead, what was it? It was like, the, it was like a form of fundamentalism, isn't it, in a way? We don't believe in God. Don't talk. Out of bounds. Not allowable. And he said, in that moment, he experienced a kind of death, the kind of death of home. But it enabled him because he was a bright 10-year-old, to, right? To um, think about his own experience with things that were larger than he is, and he was. And then he goes on to talk about the, the loss of his first love. He goes on to talk about um, the loss of his grandmother dying. And all of these losses re-invited him to consider... Um, 
to consider uh, what it was in his own experience that pointed to the sacred. I remember when a relationship broke up when I was in Washington, D.C. I was in my 20s. It was profoundly difficult for me. And I had been at All Souls Church the, the, the weekend before. And I kept the program. And this relationship breakup really had me down. And I looked in the program, and there was a list of, um, of things going on in that church. And there was a Wednesday night gathering. And I called the person who was organizing it in my loneliness, in my despair, in my uncertainty, in my confusion, you see. I called that person. We talked for an hour. I ended up going to this Wednesday night gathering. 10, 12 people, black, white, gay, straight, young, old. And three of us, or four of us, out of that group ended up in seminary. Right? I would not have been able to sniff out the sacred if I hadn't known that heartache and that heartbreak. All right. There is in every one of us an inward sea. In that sea, there's an island, and on that island, there's a temple, and in that temple, there's an altar, and that altar burns a flame. Each one of us, whether we bow our knee at an altar external to ourselves or not, is committed to the journey that will lead her, him, to the exploration of that inward sea, to locate that inward island, to find that temple, and to meet at the altar in that temple, the God of life. Before that altar, impurity of life impurities of life are burned away. All the deepest intent of your spirit stands naked and revealed. You can be fully who you are. Fully who you are. In your neuroses, in your craziness, in your messiness, in your beauty, all of it revealed for who you are. Giving lift to your spirit, forgiveness for your sins, renewal for your commitment, and as you leave that place, the world becomes different. And you know that whatever awaits you, nothing that life can do will destroy you. That's my prayer for you, friends. That the world will seem different to you when you come to meet the core sacred being of who you are.